What's going on, Sports Nation? Welcome to Game Breakers, the sports show where we will be breaking down news that's relevant in the sports world. It's your host, Edwin. And guys, yes, I am back once again for the week episode. What is it, number two? The midweek episode. Yeah, we are here as always. We do our thing. We get the things rolling. And guys, I am so happy to be back once again. Man, oh man. What did I tell you, man? I'm going to save the NFL Week 16 recap for today's episode, and we have a lot to get into today, guys. Now, can't really go into depth on what I've been going through behind the scenes. Uh, it's been kind of a little bit sickness here and there. I've been kind of under the weather. Uh, it's, you know, not really the best feeling, uh, but we still move. We still do this thing, and we still stay consistent try to stay consistent no matter what. So guys, let's get straight into it because like I said before, we have a lot to cover for today's episode. And we're actually going to start with the Titans and 49ers. I'm not sure if I talked about this matchup last episode. I don't think I did. And I definitely did not talk about it last week for Friday. So I'll give you guys a little bit of a synopsis as to what happened that game and the Titans, man. Titans, like I was talking about before, four and three. Uh, you, you've just beaten a good 49ers team that has been pretty much one of the hottest teams in the NFL for the past, what, four weeks per se, uh, been doing their thing. Uh, you know, they, they came into that game beating the Vikings, losing to the Seahawks, but they beat the Bengals and beat the, the Falcons. So that's three out of four wins. That's not bad at all. Coming into this game up 10, nothing early on, but I must say, you know, you score the opening touchdown drive. That's a good way to start the game on the road by the 49ers. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, his first pick in a couple of years in the red zone. And he's just staring down his receiver, George Kittle, I believe, and is picked off by Janoris Jenkins. Listen, he saw that route the whole entire way, the whole entire way. I'm not sure what he was looking at. It was a coverage, a look, and he just undercuts it. Easy interception for him. Doesn't have to move at all. He's playing some inside leverage, and it's just an easy pick and catch right there. Stops the drive, a 7 nothing at that point, but, you know, as the first half goes on, it's pretty much punt, punt, punt from either side. Uh, San Francisco gets a, 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 a field goal late, and they get a 10-point lead. Uh, and now it's looking like, okay, here come the Titans having to try and climb their way out of a 10-point deficit. I'm not sure if they can do that. And the second half was just totally different. I mean, totally different. 17 unanswered points by the Titans. So we have a field goal to open up the drive in the second half. We have a pick. Now, this is where the game changes for me. The pick by Hooker. Uh, Garoppolo just overshoots uh, Debo Samuel. I'm not sure how that ball was just sailing on him, but he, he shoots him, and Hooker gets the ball. Game ball is changed. The whole entire momentum has shifted now. It's shifted to the Titans' favor, and we get a four-man touchdown. And after that, it was never the same for the 49ers because you get a, a downs play, a turnover on downs. Um, that was something that was hard for them to overcome. And the Titans, for that matter, listen, their defense, give credit to the defense because that defense played their hats off the first half too. I mean, holding that team to only 10 points after your offense has been punt, punt, punt the whole entire first half. And then coming out, making some highlight plays to get their team back into the fold. And after that, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, take over the game, will you? Please. After being out of the lineup for, what, two weeks? He comes back, 
in, and he is wide receiver number one. It's not Julio Jones because Julio Jones is a great receiver, and off of his name, you may say that he is a better receiver off of his name, at least, but that doesn't matter right now. But Brown comes back into the fold. He takes over that entire game. Uh, we get a Ryan Tannehill touchdown to him. Um, and also, when it comes to going back to the, the fourth down call by the 49ers, right, you get a turnover on downs. You're doing that at the 40-yard line. It's a sloppy football game. It's 10-10 at, at, at that point. You know, punt the ball and change field position and get the ball back. But you know what happens? They give the Titans a short field to work with, and after that, it's never the same. See, like these kind of calls, Kyle Shanahan, I'm not really too – I don't really agree with that. I don't because you have to look at the way the game is going. If it was a high offensive scoring game where every team, no defense could stop each other, each other's offense, then I get the call because now it's like if we punt the ball, they might come down and score either way. But the game was – it was too sloppy. The Titans – remember, the Titans didn't score a point in the first half. So why not punt the ball and hopefully get a three and out and then get the ball back to get a short field? They didn't do that. And after that, Titans get the ball back and they score a touchdown. So that was pretty much it. But some some brilliance, some magic from Debo Samuel. He comes back, 56-yard run over the middle, and we get a touchdown on that same drive. And after that, put the ball in Ryan Tannehill's hands. He just makes things happen. The run up the middle for 23 yards. Um, you have a couple of runs here and there. We have a 44-yard winning field goal by my guy, Randy Bullock, who has been in the, the clutch moment at times. I remember because he was a kicker for the New York Jets at one point. But Randy Bullock saves the day. Tennessee improves to 10-5. and five. Good job by them. 49ers, not bad position right now. They're still in a state where they can definitely uh, make a, a late playoff push once again. The eight and seven, not too bad of a result, not too bad of a loss, in my opinion, even though you were up 10 at one point on the road to really can't give up that kind of lead, but still control their own destiny, which is the most important part. Good for the Tennessee Titans, though. Moving on, Packers and Browns. Now, what an entertaining game. What an entertaining game. Browns start off the game right on the road. Yes, opening touchdown drive, a big screenplay by uh, Nick Chubb, who takes it the distance, not all the way, but, you know, takes it for considerable yardage. Um, then we have Baker. So he throws, uh, after the touchdown, he throws first of his four picks to Peoples-Jones. You know, he's backed up in his own half, and he just throws the ball. That was pretty bad. I'm not sure what he was looking at on that play. Then we get an Alan Lazar touchdown. All right? Packers, get that touchdown. Second pick by Baker, third and 19. Having a good drive, by the way. You're in field goal range. What's the most important thing you should do when you are in a long situation where you have to convert about, what, 10-plus yards? You're still in field goal range. Don't turn the football over. Try and get as much yards as you possibly can to get a field goal or to get some points out of the drive, and he turns the ball over. Not a great play. Throws the ball high. So, you know, both interceptions to start were both high throws by the way, and Packers score a touchdown to Demont- De- uh, Devontae Adams, you know, and we get a, that, we look at that touchdown, it's a blitz, cover zero look, and the middle is wide open. Now, I'm not too sure exactly if that's the best call to have a cover zero blitz, leaving your receiver one-on-one, leaving your, your defensive back one-on-one with Devontae Adams, especially if he's playing inside leverage. I don't get the call at all. Listen, you have 
you're giving Devontae Adams a whole middle to work with, especially on a slant too. So going to beat him every time. Every time he's going to beat him. So I don't understand that call. It was a bad uh, call in the Packers score on that drive. Um, but Browns, two-minute drill. Baker, third interception, rolling to his left. I'm not sure if it was miscommunication. I'm not sure if he thought Landry was going to break out, if he was going to stop. But the ball just sails on him. He just sails and is picked off easily. Easily by, I believe, Russell Douglas. Yes, Russell Douglas have herself a day. Yeah, man. So you guys basically see the trend here that I'm talking about. The Browns turn the football over, Packers score a touchdown. Browns turn the football over, Packers score a field goal, touchdown. It's, 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 it's mostly just Packers just taking advantage of their miscues, which has been the pretty much the trend the whole entire game. But fast forward, the Browns cut the lead to 24, 22-24, all right? And then the fourth interception by Baker. You guys know I like to have my uh, my um, diagnosis when it comes to the interceptions thrown by QB. So we have possibly a holding flag that should have been thrown on Douglas. I thought it was a little bit of a tug, which it was. Um, and Baker overshoots him because he's expecting People's Jones to be there, right? He's expecting People's Jones to break out. I thought that was a missed call. That interception wasn't his fault, in my opinion. The refs just, I'm not sure what they were doing on that play. They missed it, and they got lucky, Packers. They got lucky. But moral of the story is Browns turnovers cost them the football game. And I actually, coming into this matchup early on in the season when I made my bold predictions, not even bold predictions, when I made my predictions for, you know, late season results, I did say that the Browns would have a chance or actually would win this game because I thought that the Browns were a better team at that point. Uh, based off the way that they were playing and based off the way the Packers were playing too. But obviously things change, and the Packers have been playing much better football, yes. But the Browns, to me, man, once again on the road, so many interceptions, so many costly turnovers that basically cost you the game, you know. And it happened in Baltimore. It happens again in Lambeau. Packers improved to 12-3. and Browns fall to 7-8 in a game where I thought they should have had a great chance to win but it was just too many mistakes, too many mistakes. And you can't do that. You cannot make mistakes like that against a good team, a great team, actually, for that matter, on the road. You can't have that. You just can't. I thought as, as far as, uh, as, aside from the opening drive that they had with the touchdown, everything else was kind of, you know, they moved the ball pretty well. Well, that wasn't an issue. But everything else was more so of a case of them just shooting themselves in the foot. Now, moving on, listen. Guys, let's move on to the Colts and the Cardinals. Yes, yes. So I spoke about this actually last uh, episode, and I praised the Colts. I praised the Colts for how well they were able to come into Arizona, and that defense just played lights out, lights out. So shout out to the defense for holding that supposedly high-powered offense to 16 points. So open and drive. We're going to start with open and drive for the Cardinals. We get a, a, a Christian Kirk drop pass, uh, and then we get a, a pretty missed field goal from 51. Not that great, right? We also have first offensive snap for the Colts. Yes, this is what I'm talking about, man. Start off the game right. 51 yards, no, sorry, 43 yards. Uh, Taylor takes it, and we have a TY touchdown. Okay, nice, nice. We have a good start for this game. Then we have a Kyler Murray big run for himself, 57 yards. Edmonds touchdown. Yeah, we have Prater who misses the extra point. I'm not sure what's going on with the kicking for him in that game. Uh, but we have a Colts miss field goal. 
Cars drive and Cliff decides to go for it on fourth and six. And I don't get it once again. Yes, I get it, Cliff Kingsbury. You are an aggressive coach. And we have been seeing this for the whole entire season, basically. But sometimes you have to make the right decision in an attempt to not be too aggressive in a game. If you punt this ball, you pin the Colts, and you get a quick three and out, and you get a shorter field. It happens. Yo, field positioning games matters a lot. It matters a lot. And what happens? Because they don't convert the fourth and six, Colts get the ball, punt, right? They do punt. But they move the field. They, 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 they change the field position. They punt the ball. They pin the Cardinals in their own half. And what happens after that? Murray gets called for an intentional grounding two points the other way. That's great. That's great play right there. It's, it's a quick two points because going back all the way back to this fourth and six that you didn't want to punt on, you essentially changed the whole outlook of the game. Cliff Kingsbury. Now. Moving on, Colts get bailed out on a pass interference call. Uh, Wentz underthrows it, and I think that on that play, Wilson is just trying to make a play. I'm not sure exactly why they call that, but um, you know, it's it's 12 six at half. Uh, that's on their their field goal drive right there. Uh, then we also have uh, Antoine Wesley touchdown, good throw and catch, and great by the Cardinals to get some points on the board. Uh, Colts get the ball fourth and four, and have you not learned your lesson? Like, did you not see what the Cardinals did? I don't get it. You you don't get that. You, you know, fourth and four, don't convert, um, to my understanding. And cards drive another missed field goal by Miss Prater, by Matt Prater. 41 yards this time. Oh, goodness, what is going on with the kicking these days, man? What is going on with the kicking? The kicking is crazy right now, okay? So, you're lucky also... By the way, the Colts were lucky to not convert on downs and the Cardinals to punt after that because, listen, if things would have changed after that, oh, no, it would not have been good at all. But Wentz gets the ball back after the missed Prater field goal. Back of the end zone to Patman. There you go. Now you're down nine, and now Cardinals go for it once again on fourth down. And I get it this time. I get it from, you know, because – it's 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 a situation where you have to score points now. You can't. You have to score points. Like, there's no other way to do it, all right? Cardinals can't complete it, but, you know, you have a, a wide-open green on that play. It was a good look. It was a good look. You had a wide-open A.J. Green, but the pressure just got to uh, Kyler Murray, and that was pretty much it right there. Colts banged up on the win, but they get it. They get the win on the road. A very nice balanced attack. And I have to say, hats off to this team for playing their butts off on the road. Seriously. Colts, some good football, improved to 9-6. and six. Cardinals, who have been losing some crucial games, especially in this race to the first seed in the NFC, they fall to 10-5. and five. I mean, they've lost to the Lions, the Colts now, the Rams. That is three straight losses. Three straight losses by the Cardinals after being in, in, in sure control in the driver's seat for the NFC first seed. Now it's looking kind of bleak, you know? And also, it doesn't help that the Rams did win their game, so now they are on top of the division right now as it stands, 11-4. We'll get to that later. But Cardinals, 10-5. Still a playoff team, definitely, but not looking too good. Not looking too good. All right, let's get into some Sunday action. Yes, starting off with my team, the New York Jets. There you go, guys. There you go. Zach Wilson comes out on top against 
Trevor Lawrence, number one versus number two. Listen, T-Law looked okay. He looked pretty good. Jazz, quick passing, decisive, a couple of deep shots. Our, Our defense had no answer, to be honest. You couldn't get any pressure. He had all the time in the world to throw back there. Seriously. And I get it, no Quentin Williams, but he had all the time to throw in the world. No James Robinson. He got injured on one of the plays. And Ogumbawale still had 57 yards rushing. That's not too bad. But let me go to my team because I, I even though it's it's the Jaguars, it's the Jaguars, I get it. But I was still nevertheless proud of my team and the way we played. Zach Wilson, 50-yard run? Insane. Insane. Okay. And his receivers, once again, did him no favors. No favors whatsoever. And he had to throw a touchdown to Connor McDermott, or one of our linemen. Can you believe that? And guys, I get it. The touchdown was all it was all world. It was crazy. It was great play by Connor McDermott. But let's not forget about the play that Zach Wilson made to make that play alive, to keep it alive, and to make it happen. He had to extend the play. He had to elude the pass rush and then throw the ball on the run to Connor McDermott. That's a great play by him. Um, but I must say, we came in with a plan with no Robert Salah, uh, so I'm not sure that the game plan changed a little bit. Uh, but we rushed the football a ton, a hell of a ton in this game. 273 yards, the most in the NFL right now as it stands, I believe. Yes, we came in with a plan, and I just wonder. Obviously, it's against the Jaguars, a team that does not stop the run, a team that's not great of a defensive force to be reckoned with in the NFL anyway. But I just wonder how well this offense can perform if we have good receivers, if we run the football relatively somewhat like we did against the Jaguars on Sunday, and Zach Wilson continues his progress as the franchise QB. It's just endless possibilities here, endless. But I must say, I was a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous, okay, because we're we're up, what, 26 to 21, and we have Trevor Lawrence driving down the field. He he He's making some plays on the run, making some decisive throwing once again. And when we get to the red zone, C.J. Mosley drops a pick that ends the game. He drops it. And I'm over here thinking to myself, oh, damn, they're about to win this game. They're about to lose to the Jaguars, out of all teams, the Jaguars. But we make a good stop on fourth down. And a special shout-out to my guy, Braxton Berrios, because he did his thing. Special teams made a great play on the kick return. It was 101 yards, I believe. I forgot, but um, great play on that. He was a sure receiver in the passing game as well, too. Zach Wilson, once again, listen, I've been calling for Zach Wilson to make plays with his feet because I know that he is a guy that can move in the pocket, can extend plays, and is also a very athletic QB where he can make something happen on the ground game. And we saw that on Sunday. So kudos to him. He did his thing. Jets, we get a win. I don't care if it hurts our draft position because the Seahawks lost, so that helps too. But we get a win. The morale of the team is boosted once again for a short term at least. And let's see if we can carry on against the Buccaneers next week. But moving on, Lions and Falcons. So Lions defense sacked Ryan three times, but two of those sacks came on the opening drive. After that, it was pretty much nothing there. Lions get a field goal on the, on the opening drive, and Cordell Patterson does something he does last week. He scores a touchdown this game. Great job by him. I love the Lions' fake punt, and it pays off because Amara, Amon Ra St. Brown fights for a touchdown, gets it. Listen, this guy has been a great – he's coming to his own. You know, it, it goes back to what Elijah Moore was doing. He wasn't really a factor, 
early on in the season. And sooner or later, he gets it going. Same thing for St. Brown. He gets it going late last week, the week before. He has been making his presence known. So kudos to him for that. Um, we have a 13-13 ball game. And now Falcons score on a Hayden Hurst touchdown. Lions get the ball back. They settle for a field goal after, you know, a blow up on third down. As in, like, they just they tried to run the ball on third down. And it was just snuffed out easily by the Falcons. Easily by the Falcons. All right. Running game, though, was really decent for the whole entire game. I must say, not too bad of a call. Because when the running game is is working to an extent in that game, and you call up a run up the middle for, you know, third down, it's not for, it's not fourth down yet. So I, I don't really have too much to say about this. First fourth down is a little bit different for me. But third down, you call up a run up the middle. It's been working all game. You know, so I, I'm not too mad about this call, but maybe you could have devised a different kind of scheme, uh, offensive scheme, a different offensive uh, game plan. Sorry, a, a offensive play call. But it, it it happens. It happens, you know. Um, Fast forward. Falcon is trying to ice the game, and Russell Gage fumbles. Ryan hits him for a completion. Russell Gage fumbles. Can you believe that? And Boyle, who made little mistakes all day, throws a pick. Did not see the linebacker over the middle. I think it's Olu Kuhn. Didn't see him over the middle. After they're driving to, they're this close to scoring a touchdown. And he just throws it right there. Game ball right there. Good win for the Falcons. Falcons, for me, once again, don't really see this team really contending for the playoffs. I mean, yes, it does help that they have an easier schedule than most of these other teams. Uh, most of these other wild card teams than, you know, to, to make something happen. But right now, they're 7-8. Lions fall to 2-12 and 12 and 1. Can't forget about that one. All right. Moving on. Bengals and Ravens. Huh. Burrow said, let's not waste any time. <laughs> Joe Burrow said, let's not waste any time. All right. Because I remember one of the first plays of the game. He's, he's in the pocket. We have a blitz. A blitz. One of the defenders just rocks him. He stands up. He's standing tall. He bounces off of the tackle and completes a throw, or I believe he runs. I forget what happened, but the point is he was not going down in that game as much. Listen, he had a point to prove because, uh, you know, the Ravens defensive coordinator, his name is is kind of is blanking out on me right now. Forget it. I think, yeah, Mark, Mark, Don uh, Martindale. Yeah, I think his name is me and Martindale. Yes, his name is. So the comments before the game, oh, man, you don't do that. You just don't do that. I, I'm not a big favor. I'm not in big favor of, any team or player talking smack right before a game. Because if you lose that game, damn. <laughs> if you lose that game, you cannot see. You you have to see them. You have to see them after the field is over, you know? So, listen. Uh, Ravens looking good early. We have Josh Johnson, who played with the Jets, by the way, against the Colts this season, who has been kind of steady. Like, I'm not understanding why it's so hard for him to have a consistent backup role because he has been, I mean, he's been a journeyman the whole NFL career, but every time he's played, he's looked pretty good. I thought he looked good in this game. To be honest, he did his job. Um, it, it was a blowout, but all he doesn't play defense. So what can you expect, expect from that guy? Right. He played well early on. He gets a touchdown to Rashad Bateman. All right, here, here you go, rookie. There you go. Bengals punch back, mixing touchdown. Then, Boy, just after that, they get the ball back. Boy, just shakes Patrick Queen. I'm not sure if he thought he had help over the top because he kind of lets him go. Uh, it's either 50-50 for me. He either lets him go because he thinks he has safety help over the top 
or he lets him go because he's just beat so badly that he can't even recover. So, yeah, he just had to look and see the throw over his head, to be honest. But boy takes it the distance, and here we go. Now, Ravens have a good two-minute drill. We have a uh, Deontay Freeman touchdown, all right? Bengals do one of their own. Higgins, yes, go up and get it, big boy. Yes, 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 go up and get it. I said this before, and I said it again, guys. This guy deserves more back shoulder throws, more 50-50 balls, because he can go up and get it. Have yourself a day, T. Higgins. Have yourself a day, all right? Now, I could go into depth on each play that the Bengals scored on, every play that the Bengals scored on, but more of the story is, guys, the passing game was just working. And we saw that because Joe Burrow threw for 525 yards. Obviously, the rushing game didn't really need to be there for them, but if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, you had the the likes of them just stepping on the Ravens' throats. I mean, seriously, I love the fact that that you have a game plan that's working, and this team can't stop it. You keep on doing it. Who cares? I don't care if you're up by 47. You keep on doing it. There is no mercy in the NFL. No mercy whatsoever. It shouldn't be. So good job by them. Um, I, I like that the concept. Listen, Bengals to me are one of the most well-rounded teams in the NFL right now, and one of the most well-rounded teams in the AFC right now. Seriously. Uh, when it comes to the team, I see little to no weaknesses. And, yes, I've been watching a little bit too much Chris Sims here, so I'm kind of picking up on his biasness kind of in a way when it comes to the Bengals. But I kind of agree, though. I do. Joe Burrow has been the highest-graded QB in the league thus far this season. If you didn't know, you know now by PFF, okay? Other than that... Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama have made plays here and there. Joe Mixon, a stutter back. The offense line is a little bit of a question mark. I get it. But mostly they've been able to keep the job and do it, do it well enough. And you, you saw that they didn't really have any trouble against the Ravens defensive front uh, on Sunday. And on top of that, the defense for the Bengals, defensive line has been playing great out of his mind, can generate pressure with their front four. That's the biggest thing for me. Can you generate front pressure with your front four? Yeah, they could do that. You know, your Trey Hendrickson, uh, your Sam Hubbard, all these guys, they do it right there. Secondary has been making some plays here and there. I'm, I'm loving this team. I am. I'm loving this team. And I would not be surprised if I see the likes of them making a strong playoff run when it comes down to it. Right now, the leaders of the division in the AFC North, so it's apparent that they want it the most because every other team lost. Ravens lost, Browns lost, Steelers got blown out. So they wanted the most. Take hold of it, and let's see what you guys can do in the playoffs. Because one home game could turn into a big momentum booster and a confidence booster for this team going forward. So let's move on. But I must say, Josh Johnson played well. Mark Andrews had himself a day. Um, but Bengals just moved the ball with ease. Burrow had too much time in the pocket to just pick apart that defense. It was no contest at all. Moving on, Vikings and Rams. Uh, Rams open and drive. Sony Michelle, yes, physical running back. Do not miss Cam Akers at all this season because Sony Michelle has been doing his thing. Do your thing, my guy. Vikings. So the issue with the Vikings is they move the ball pretty well. You know, one of the best red zone teams in the NFL. But what happens on this drive, we get an Osborne uh, pick. And I say Osborne because it goes off of his hands. The ball is thrown right to him. Perfect ball to me by Kirk Cousins. You got to catch that. Got to catch that. It's tipped, picked off, and quickly it's 10-0. All right, fast forward. Rams are pinned 
Stafford under pressure. I'm not sure what you're doing this. I'm like, like I don't get it. And it, it's kind of concerning because Stafford has made too many of these plays this season where he just makes a lot of boneheaded decisions. Decisions where I think he should not be making at his stage right now, especially in this offense that doesn't really allow for him to make crucial mistakes because they have so much of a, a game plan and a cohesion and a scheme that works brilliantly that you shouldn't even be making these plays. Like, to be – the offense gives you room to take a lot of shots, I get it, but not dumb shots, not plays like that are risky like that. I mean, on the on this play, he throws the ball late to Sony Michelle, picked off, leaves Anthony Barr. I'm not sure what he's doing on that. Vikings settle for a field goal. 13 to 3 at half, but the whole story of the first half is missed opportunities. I mean, you get a turnover in the red zone. You have a chance to get a touchdown to cut the lead to, uh, you know, what, 7 to 13, 7 to 10 at that point, And you don't get it. You get a field goal. So a lot of missed opportunities. But right out the half, Stafford underthrows Jefferson. Uh, Van Jefferson is picked off. There we go right there. Vikings punt. Once again, another missed opportunity. Okay, Rams pinned again. Ball is batted, and it's then picked off again by Anthony Barr, who gets a second pick of the game. And finally, thank God, finally these guys score. A touchdown, at least. Madison uh, in the red zone, great. But what changes the whole entire game, Brandon Powell makes a great play on special teams. 61 yards from the punt return, and that essentially puts the game away for me. Um, Rams finally put together a solid drive in the second half, score a touchdown with OBJ. Vikings score right back with Osborne, but for me, once again, the the special teams punt return was the deciding factor for the game at that point. Third and six, Cub makes a very clutch play. Um, he gets free, and that's a ball game right there. Now, I thought the Vikings were going to win this game when they had all those. I mean, when you look at the the whole outlook of the game. And you look at how many opportunities this team had, especially the way the Rams were playing at that point, the Vikings had a great chance to win this football game. And I was kind of worried because the Rams, after hearing some great news that your division rivals, the Arizona Cardinals, have just lost at home to the Colts, you would want to win this game, definitely. Like, you can't lose this game. Despite it being on the road, despite the Vikings playing some good football, you just cannot lose this game at all. But give credit to the defense for hanging, hanging on the band don't break policy uh, because Stafford put them in a lot of holes. He did put them in a lot of holes a lot, but good job by them. Rams improved to 11 and four Vikings who still for me have a great shot. And I say great shot because they are one of the better teams for a wild card position as it stands right now in the NFC. They still have a great shot to making the playoffs. They are not seven to eight, but let's see what happens in the future. Moving on bills and Patriots first time. In the Belichick era, first time a team has not punted against Bill Belichick. Can you believe that? Yo, Josh Allen is a one-man wrecking crew. He really is. A one-man wrecking crew. Bills made a statement early on, and they had a statement win entirely, in entirety of the whole football game. Early on, we have a fourth and two. Go for it. Gabriel Davis touchdown. Yes, there you go right there. All right, Pat, what do they do the whole entire game? Lean on the running game. Not bad of a game call, all right? Damian Harris, have yourself a day, big boy. Have yourself a day. Three touchdowns, I believe 103 yards rushing. Not bad at all. Have yourself a day. All right, moving on. Fast forward. 
Uh, we have a Jones. He throws the ball. It's a tip pick uh, right into traffic. Uh, Bills can't convert on fourth down in the red zone, but I, I mean, I get it. Listen, for this specific play, I like it because the Bills are trying to be aggressive. Yes, not too aggressive. They've been the entire season, but they knew that coming into this game, at least they would need to be aggressive and to show their will and oppose their will in this game against the Patriots, who pretty much outmuscled them that game against uh, on Monday Night Football in Buffalo. So you needed to come here and make a statement. And yes, go for it on fourth down. You had to look. Emmanuel Sanders just dropped the ball. The ball. Uh, I'm not sure if it was tip. I'm not sure if the ball was a little bit behind him. But for his caliber of a receiver, I think he should be catching that. Okay. Uh, Bills were on a mission, though. On a mission. They went for for fourth down four times. Completed three. Not bad at all. All right. Then right before half, you get a touchdown by Stephon Diggs, uh, 17 to 7. <laughs> if you heard what Stephon Diggs was saying to the crowd, <laughs> you know, PG, PG 13. <laughs> but uh, moving on, uh, second half, Bills are driving. Cooper Road, Cooper Road, you dropped a touchdown in the end zone. How does that happen? I don't know what happens, but right after that, a great play once again. Uh, one of the many great plays he made that entire game, Josh Allen goes to his right, throws across his body, across the field to Emmanuel Sanders, who gets a first down on third and 10. That's pretty great. That's pretty great indeed. I must say, Isaiah McKenzie, have yourself a day, big boy. Man, oh man, did his thing. He had a lot of great plays. If it wasn't for his great catches, the Bills would have definitely punted. But 11 receptions. 125 yards, one TD. Great job by him. Um, and the Bills just made a lot of individual magic, magical plays to put the game away. I mean, we had the Allen run on fourth and one, the cut, the extra two, three yards. That said it all. We had the Stephon Diggs after Allen gets out of the trouble. He pitches it to Stephon Diggs. Uh, he fights for it on third and 10. He makes something happen. The Patriots, for me, cut the game down to a one-score game with Damian Harris. It was obvious that the rushing game was still there. It was still working. But, I mean, the Bills, man, the Bills had something to prove, and they just did it. Now they control the AFC East as it stands right now, and they have full control of their destiny for the playoffs and the division. So let's see what happens. But Patriots fall to 9-6. and six. Bills improve to 9-6. and six. Great win by them on the road. Mac Jones, two interceptions. One of them was a toss-up when he's trying to make a play. But, you know, in the end, we knew that coming into this football game that Mac Jones would have to throw at least more than three times to win the football game. Didn't happen, but still, Bills couldn't say much about them. They played flawless. Giants and Eagles. So, Eagles' defensive line was pushing the pocket a little bit early on in the game. I loved it. Jake Fromm, for the most part, after that settled in, kind of. Okay, so he had a, a pick that should have been picked off. Uh, he had a near pick, I should say, to Darius Slay, big play Slay. I'm not sure how he dropped that. Um, Eagles moved the ball considerably well, but we had a missed field goal in the second quarter. Wasn't that good. Eagles drive again after a punt. This time, get a field goal. It's 3-3, and then Fromm throws a pick nowhere, like in nowhere land in the third quarter, and we get a Scott, Boston Scott touchdown. That point around, the game is pretty much changed because now it's a defensive matchup. It's 3-3 at half. I mean, it's, it's mostly just punts here and there, but you know, it would take the Giants, it would take for the Giants to play a clean game for the Eagles to get going 
later in the game. But because that pick by Jake Fromm, he just threw it into nowhere, no man's land. It got the Eagles going a little bit earlier than expected, uh, at least the way that game was going. And we have a Rager making a nice run on special teams. All right, here we go. Eagles, a uh, field goal, 13-3. And then Jake Fromm, who is benched by Mike Lennon, which I don't understand whatsoever because, yes, I get it. He's been playing pretty bad the whole entire game. But it's his first start. He's on the road against a division opponent. What do you expect from him? What do you really expect? Well, I mean, seriously, he has no chance out there. Um, the rush was 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 too much for him to to stand in tall in the pocket and, and deal with. If you have any any thought or plan whatsoever in regards to Jake Fromm being a backup at least for this team, you have to let him play out that game. You just have to because you know where you're gonna get with Mike Glennon. We all know what we're gonna get with Mike Glennon, but we don't really know how Jake Fromm is gonna respond after the two picks after the offense, not really getting anything going the whole entire game. We have to see how he plays. So I'm not all for that move. Mike Lennon comes in. What does he do? He throws a pick six. Not really that great of a move, to be honest. You know, so I think they should have definitely stick with Mike Lennon. But Eagles, man, you just at some point, they're going to get going against this team, especially. And they did that 34 to 10. Um, Eagles still wide, still right in the playoff mix. Definitely. Eight and seven on the season, and I might say, give credit to the Eagles, man. Give credit where it's due, because I was one of those people who thought the Eagles would be the worst team in the NFC East this year. I thought they wouldn't make the playoffs, which is still very possible. But I thought they wouldn't be in consideration for the playoffs. I thought this team had too many holes to cover up that that it wouldn't be covered up. It would be shown. It would be exploded this season, and so far they have been proving me wrong. They've been playing some good football over the past couple of weeks. Kudos to them. Giants fall to 4-11. Now, Buccaneers and Panthers. Okay, here we go again. Thought the Panthers started off well. We had Cam Newton throwing the ball, running the ball on the first drive. And if it wasn't for uh, uh, Amir Abdullah turning his head, he might have caught the ball. He might have scored a wide-open touchdown. But Panthers settled for a field goal. Um, and, you know, the Bucs have this tendency to – get contributions from players who are really unknown to most fans if you're not a Buccaneers fan. But Vaughn, Keyshawn Vaughn, makes some nice moves, some nice cuts, takes it the distance, 55-yard touchdown. Wow, that is great. Newton throws a pick that I don't understand whatsoever. I mean, seriously. he like If you're looking from the fan view, you see, okay, he's in the pocket. He's backing up. Oh, he sees one of his receivers kind of getting some separation a little bit from the defenders, a li- just a little bit, to the point where if he puts the ball in the per- perfect spot and he lobs it with just enough air and just enough velocity, he may complete that pass. But the way it looks, is it looks so terrible. He lo- he basically lobs the ball in. The receiver has to stop short of his route, basically, and the ball is just tipped up and picked off by so many, I'm not sure who, I forget, I think it was Bunting. Yeah, Bunting, who picks the ball off. But it was just so many defenders in that space, whereas it looks pretty bad. It really does, okay? Um, and then Donald replaces him. Matt Matt Rule says that Sam Donald and Cam Newton would split reps, which by far to me has been the most worst decision this week of football. I mean, why? Why are we doing this? This whole idea for two QB system does not work to me at all. It does not work for me at all. I mean, seriously. 
is this preseason or what? Because there's no reason why you should have Newton play one quarter, Donner play the next quarter, Newton play the next quarter, Donner finish off a game. That is so stupid to me. It really is. Because you have a QB or two QBs for that matter who are going to come in each quarter cold. So how will they get into the groove of trying to score points? And by the way, Donald did come in. He had one big play to Shai Smith. That was it. Everything else, no QB, Cam Newton or, or Sam Donald. It didn't matter if you put P.J. Walker in that game. They were not going to get anything. They had no running game. They had no deep shots. Like, what do you really expect to happen? A spark to happen if one, one, one QB goes out and another QB comes in? That was a terrible decision by me. I mean, by rule, I said by me. A, a terrible decision for me by rule. And it, it was just, I don't understand at all what's what's going on. Like, I know you have a QB dilemma, but stick with one QB, please. Like, don't don't put your team at risk of just three and out, three and out, punts here and there. Don't do that. Stick with one QB. But for the Bucks' sake, I mean, we had a drive 69 yards for a touchdown to Cameron Brait, wide open in the middle. Um, and that was pretty much it. A nice controlled victory on the road. Uh, for the Bucks, considering how many players they have out right now, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown came back, had himself a, a good day receiving. But once again, they had some players who made some nice contributions into the game. And, you know, especially Keyshawn Vaughn, who had that great touchdown run. The Bucks a much-needed victory on the road, and they now improve to 11-4. Panthers fall to 5-10. And, and I said it before, guys. Like, the Panthers are not making the playoffs. It's not happening this year. It's, it's done now, but I called it before. It's not happening. Not happening. Moving on, Chargers and Texans, the biggest surprise of the day because I just want to ask the Chargers organization, Brandon Stanley, like, how bad do you guys want it? <laughs> Let's all just sit here and ponder. How bad do you guys want it? Because that was terrible, okay? So, yes, even if you are a bad football team, you can still run the football on the Chargers because Rex Burkhead scores a rushing touchdown on second and 16. Can you believe that? And on the day, I believe they had 189 yards rushing. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So on the other side of the ball, Justin Jackson, I have to give you some props too because, yes, once again, Texas is not a great run defense. But, uh, you know, they do their thing here and there. But Justin Jackson, you did your thing. You had a first touchdown in three years, and you cut the lead, or pretty much you put your team up 12-7 to 7 at that point. Herbert throws a pick, and you guys know me. I like to do go into my, my explanation and diagnosis as to what happened in that specific play. And it looks like a cover two-based defense at that point. Um, and we have Jonathan Owens just undercutting the throw. I'm not sure what Herbert saw. He thought he had Palmer open on that play right in the middle of the safeties, but he maybe takes too long to throw. Owens reads it. He undercuts it. First interception of his career. Great job by him. Davis Mills, who has probably played one of the best or has had one of the best rookie performances this season, has played extremely well when, I, mean, I wouldn't say, for the, hey, for the most part, has played well when called upon, and he played well again. Comfortable in the pocket. Back-to-back deep shots on a touchdown drive. Dorsett makes a nice, great catch. And then we have a Conley great touchdown catch. And now we're, we're, we're in business. We're in business. So we have a missed field goal on the opening drive of the Texans. Okay. Chargers get a field goal. Texans touchdown with Lindsey. All right. And now fast forward Jackson. 
after you're having a great day, you fumble at midfield. Texans get a field goal. All right. Now we're we're pulling away slowly. Chargers, great job, which is what a, a good team is supposed to do. Come back with a touchdown of your own and cut the lead down to, what is it, four at that point? Because you get the two-point conversion, yes. Next Texans drive. Now, here's where the defense just fumbles. Chargers defense does not do good at all in this game when it came down to the big plays. Rex Burkhead, big runs. Texans in a heavy run set. You have one receiver. So this is what happens on that touchdown catch by Collins, who, by the way, had his first touchdown of his career. Everyone's having their first whatever in their career against the Chargers in that game. But we have a heavy run set, one receiver, about two two tight ends. I had to look at the play again, but I think two or two or three tight ends on that play. Heavy run set. Collins basically runs a slant, and he gets in. That is a great play design by the Texans because they caught the Chargers off guard, and I guess they were thinking about the run. He breaks a couple of tackles, gets the end zone, and Herbert after that throws a pick six. Game over. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. But Chargers, I have to ask, despite the Texans playing some great football, playing some inspired football, how bad do you want it? Because don't forget, this team is still a poor team. Poor team. Um, you play against a rookie QB out of that, too, who threw for 254 yards, by the way. He was efficient the whole entire game, 21 or 27. How bad do you want it? Seriously. Um, but they fall to 8-7. and seven. Houston now improves to 4-11. and 11. <laughs> Bears and Seahawks. Okay, so Seahawks open and drive Metcalf. Great, touchdown. Finally, because I was like, does he even still play for the Seahawks right now? Like, does he still play? But he, he gets to open and drive. Good for him. Um, then we have, I, I like the Bears' decision to go for it on fourth down. It's snowy. You're on the road. Not the best call, per se. But I like the idea to get points early to try and keep the pressure on them because you're on, you're on the road. It's, it's cold. It's snowy. And you're driving. You pretty much move the ball efficiently the whole entire day, too. Not efficiently, but good enough the whole entire day, too. So I get the play call. I mean, I get the decision, but not the play call, <laughs> not the play call at all. But Seahawks punt the ball anyway. It doesn't really matter. And you get a short field, and it actually does work out because Montgomery scored a touchdown. Not too bad. Seahawks drive. You get a, a penny touchdown. Who has been gassing up this uh, Bears front all game? I think he ran for, what, 159 yards? That's pretty good by him. Yeah, actually, no, 139 yards, sorry. 135 yards in one TD. Uh, but we also did have... Uh, 17-7 ball game at half. Hawks, no answer for Montgomery at all, whether it was in the backfield rushing the football, whether it was out the backfield catching the football, no answer for him, all right? Um, running game for both teams was pretty much effective, in my opinion, and that's what led to the Seahawks scoring the bootleg touchdown to Jared Everett, who has been sort of a, a main contributor and a go-to guy in some cases for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks the past four or five games. Not sure how it's happened, but we have Lockett and Metcalf on your team. Somehow you give more reps to or more throws to Everett. <laughs> but moving on, Bears drive, get a field goal. Okay. Now, here's a play where I want to dissect because I don't really agree with it at all. So we have uh, Eskridge penalty, Daniel Eskridge. Um, so he, he gets the ball, runs out of bounds. And here's why I say there's no consistency when it comes to the NFL and the flagstone. There's a flag thrown at uh, against him because he pushes uh, Ogletree 
and Ogochi flops pretty much. He goes to the ground, he flops, but he pushes him. But can we forget about, can we not, like, why are we forgetting about what Ogletree did in the first place? Slapping the ball at his hands? Why are we not calling a flag on that? Like, seriously. And I get it. S-grades, you can't do that if the ref is right next to you. Like, it's not really a smart play to do if the ref is right next to you. But still, where is the consistency when it comes to, you know, calling fouls on both teams on this play? I mean, Ogletree slaps the ball out of his hands. Call that. Not on, on not only on S-grades, call that. All right? But moving on, Myers missed a field goal that pretty much came back to haunt them. I'm not sure how he missed that field goal. Um, but you know, maybe because it was snowy, it's in sort of some harsh conditions. I maybe that's probably the reason why. But Bears turn the ball over on downs, Hawks punt, Bears drive for a touchdown. Wow, Jimmy Graham go up and get it. Okay, and to be honest, on the on that specific drive, the Bears were lucky because Foles gets stripped and is recovered by one of the linemen. Good heads up play by them. Uh, but you know, here we go, two point conversion. Bears said, no, I want to go home. I want to go home with a win. I want to go home quickly. Two-point conversion, all right? Demir Bird runs his route wide open in the back. I'm not sure what the hell Nick Foles was thinking or why he was taking so long to throw the football, but he's wide open, and Foles finally hits him, and he makes it so tough on him because Demir Bird, he goes up and gets it. Great, great, great catch by him. I'm not even sure how he caught that ball and stayed in balance, but great catch by him. And listen, the game was pretty much over at that point. But Bears on the road defeat the Seahawks, improve to 5-10, and 10, and Seahawks fall, fall to 5-10. and 10. Not bad at all. But I must say, some guts, some freaking guts. <laughs> all right, moving on, Chiefs and Steelers. Now, <clears throat> Steelers, man. At some point, at some point, your sloppy football will catch up to you, huh? At some point, your play calling will catch up to you because you made a, a, a lot of sloppy plays in this game and you were punished for it, all right? So we have a punt early on in the drive and we have a, a touchdown by the, uh, the the Chiefs, 7 nothing. Then we have a, a flea flicker, which is not a bad play call, but damn, why are you throwing that ball so late back to your receiver? It's underthrown. You know, Big Ben, damn, that arm is just dead right now. It really is. It really is because, you know, it's not a bad call if it, if it works out. It's not a bad call if the look is there but you don't convert. But it ends up being a bad call if it looks that bad. You know, like Big Ben, you have to put some more air on that throw, boy. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but now you're down 14 nothing. okay? Punt. Field goal. So we see, you know, if you're not going to score points, we're going to score points here, the Chiefs, <laughs> you know, because it was just, and I get it, the Chiefs had some great pressure up front. Uh, they just pressured Big Ben to make some bad decisions. Some, um, the coverage was great downfield. That helped the part two. The, uh, when they get a good drive going, they miss a field goal, the Steelers do. 17 nothing turns into 23 nothing. Steelers turn the ball over and downs. Chiefs luckily miss a field goal. But that's the end of the half right there. And then after that, second half, punt, Steelers fumble. Oh, my goodness. Deontay Johnson, what are you doing? Fumble the ball. Oh, actually, another touchdown. 30 to nothing. Okay, here we go. Steelers finally get some points on the board. A field goal, 15 play, 54-yard field goal uh, drive. And then, 
you know, another fumble here and there. It's pretty much over. But I must say, sloppy football is not going to work every time. And the mistakes you make will come back to haunt you. And especially for a good team who has found some steam, they will punish you for it. The Chiefs are rolling 11-4. And I must give a special shout-out to Darrell Williams, running the football and catching the football out of the backfield, did his thing. And Pringle, too. Two touchdowns, had a big impact in the game. Um, they, I think the Steelers did a pretty good job when it came to neutralizing Tyreek Hill, when it came to neutralizing uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, well, actually, no, not, 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 not Travis Kelsey. What am I talking about? Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, they did a good job of doing that. Uh, but in the end, the Chiefs defense just stood up. They did their thing, and that was pretty much all she wrote. 11-4, the Chiefs up to, and the 77-1 and one Steelers down to. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Raiders and Broncos. All right, so there was no running game for the Broncos whatsoever. I mean, seriously, their leading rusher for that game was Devontae Williams, seven carries for 12 yards. Now, the biggest question was, how would Drew Locke respond to that? And I thought, for the most part, he did all right. Because in a defensive matchup on the road to hostile environment, you know, one of the hardest places to go to and play is definitely Las Vegas. Because that crowd gets loud. It gets loud in there. Seriously. The Raiders have a great fan base. And they have a very energetic and loud fan base, too. Passionate fan base. So, I have to give him credit for that. But Drew Locke played well. He played well. So, you get a Raiders... Great end zone catch by Renfro. And then Carr makes a good play. You know, after that, we get another drive where Carr makes a good play. Gets the ball out to uh, Josh Jacobs, and he fumbles. And what happens on that same drive? After the, or on the ensuing drive, when the Broncos get the ball back, jo- uh, Jerry Judy drops the, the ball on third down, get a field goal. All right, damn. We thought we would have momentum going into that, that drive. I guess we have to settle for a field goal. Ah, maybe not. Bradley Chubb does his Demarcus Lawrence impression and gets a tip pick. There we go. Williams from the one scores a touchdown. Second half. Um, Raiders open and drive score. All right, here we go. And then Carr gets strip sack on when he gets the ball back again. I'm not sure what happens on this play. Doesn't feel the rush coming behind him. Gets strip sack. McManus, after making a 55-yard field goal for the Broncos, he misses one again. Like, how, how is that possible? And that one wasn't even close. So. Fast forward, 17 to 13, ball in Locke's hands. What does he do? He stands tall in the pocket, delivers on fourth down, and the rush, unfortunately, gets to him on third down after they convert. But, you know, uh, Foster Monroe, when it comes to the way the Raiders were running the football that game, Josh Jacobs was just cutting, you know, making some great moves, and the rushing game was there for the Raiders. And when you have a good running game in that game specifically, um, you're going to bite on the, on the play action. And that's what happened. Foster Monroe is wide open on the on the play action down the middle. And that was pretty much the game right there for the uh, Broncos. But I must say, despite all the criticisms that we've been giving this guy, as he may not be the answer for the, the QB position, uh, he did play well. Julak did play well. Uh, moving on. Huh. This game right here. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. I was not expecting this at all. You have... Jonathan Allen, Deron Penn over here, pushing and shoving, boxing low-key, all this nonsense. My goodness. My goodness. So, first play of the game for the Washington football team. Excuse me. Sorry, guys. 
Taylor Heineke throws the ball deep. You don't throw to Trevor Trayvon Diggs' side. It gets picked off. Seven to nothing. There we go right there. All right. Punt by the football team. 14 nothing. Same thing as the Steelers, basically. You're not going to score points. We're going to punt. We're going to get we're going to get points for our team. Because if you guys don't want to score points, we'll score points. All right. 14 nothing. And then we have a pick six. Oh my goodness. Demarcus Lawrence. Do you go ahead and do your thing, big boy. Tip that ball, pick it off. There we go. Okay. Finally, we get some points on the board. Washington puts together a nice drive. All right. We get a uh, a nice touchdown uh, pass to Antonio Gibson. All right, here we go. But the defense, a story for the defense, they could not stop the Dallas Cowboys at all whatsoever. And obviously the offense did play a role in making that happen, but the defense had no answer. 28-7, to punt. 35-7, punt. 42-7, punt. Oh, my gosh. What is going on, man? What is going on? And these, by the way, are long drives, too. Like, we are long drives, okay? 75 yards, 80 yards, 89 yards. Damn. So what you're telling me is you get your team, you get this team pinned on in like in their half, and they still score a touchdown. That's pretty bad. Pretty bad performance by the, by the defense, I must say. And we have a block return touchdown. You know, it's pretty obvious that it wasn't their night, uh, the Washington football team. But, um, you know, going from the, the scuffle – and on, on the bench between those two linemen and also bringing your benches to the the road, uh, you know, bring your benches to Dallas was pretty bad. You know, I don't get it at all. But the game, uh, the playoffs may be looking kind of bleak. Washington falls to 6-9. and nine. Dallas, once again, they have Washington's number. They improved to 11-4. Moving on, Dolphins and Saints. So what did I say would happen in this game? Very sloppy, like it was. A lot of puns here and there. And what I was wrong about, I'm not even sure why I was saying Taylor, uh, Taysom Hill for this kind of game. He was definitely in COVID protocols. My bad, guys. So Ian Book got the start. Um, but he looked like a rookie. <laughs> because first offensive series, he gets a pick six. There we go again with the cover look zero. Um, once again, did not know who was coming. They dropped two into coverage. They rushed about what five, and he just doesn't see the. I'm not. I mean, the throw was off anyway. But it's a pick six, and they go right there to start off a bad. The start the game off bad in a, in in a game where you actually need to win. You're seven and seven. Need to win this game. You know, Tua, by the way, played efficient aside from the fumble, aside from the the pick where he overshot Collins. Um, but you know, for the most part, I would say. Ian Book had a nice connection with Marquez Calloway, did his thing, but the first half was really sloppy. I mean, really, really, really sloppy, really sloppy. Dolphins' pressure was too much. I mean, eight sacks? Damn! Eight sacks for the Dolphins? And part of that was because Ian Book decided not to throw the football away. Well, I'm not sure what he's doing. That's kind of like the rookie mistake that I'm talking about here, guys. I'm not sure why these rookies decide to hold the football and to not throw the football away when there's nothing downfield. He he takes, what, five yards lost, three yards lost for no reason. It makes no sense. And also because the the line for the Saints could not hold up against that Dolphins pressure. It, just, it was too much. It was too much. Okay. Um, and like I said before, a lot of things along, along the line of scrimmage, a lot of things close to the line of scrimmage for the Dolphins on the offense, 
Uh, we have that's how they scored a touchdown. Waddle scored a touchdown with a, a a pitch and run that was easy for him to make. And finally, when we get to the book interception, the second interception by book, not sure what he was doing on that specific play. Um, he's rolling to his right. He's over here not making the best decision possible. And you know, when it comes to that specific play, I like the idea of escaping and buying some time. You do the right thing. But when it comes to making the throw, first of all, the throw is not on target. And secondly, it's fourth down, so I, it doesn't really matter at this point. But still, it's like, who are you throwing the ball to? You know, he throws the ball right to uh, Jones, and it's straight to him. He doesn't even have to work for it. But good job by the Dolphins. Like I said, they would come into this game, and they would definitely win. The momentum is on their side, and they now improve to 8-7, and seven, the first time since week one where they have been over 500. Can you believe that? One seven straight, six straight. This team is rolling. And the, the, the Saints, for me, like I said before, I mean, it does, doesn't does help when they don't have Taysom Hill. It doesn't help when they don't have Jameis Winston. But this team was not going to come in here and beat the Dolphins. It was not going to happen, you know? Uh, but anyways, guys, moving on, that is your recap for the NFL Week 16. And surprisingly, there is no Thursday night football for – this week so it's, it's going to be uh new sunday matchups on january 2nd see you guys in in the new year hopefully god willing but let's um take a minute to give a silence and remembrance of john madden i definitely forgot to do this early on in the episode because i got a little bit too carried away but you know let's take the 10 minute seconds uh for in remembrance and remembrance <laughs> of john madden and what he meant to the football world and fans worldwide. Thank you. You know, and when it comes to John Madden, um, you know, there's a lot of things he's done when it comes to making the football game, obviously the impact on broadcast, um, letting, helping kids, young kids, learn football using an old playbook was just genius. And that's, you know, when it comes to how I've learned football, it's definitely through Madden. Or oh, Madden was a big part of that because learning the coverages, learning the the A gap, the B gap, the blitzing packages, all of that was through the old playbook that he gave. And I have to give him credit and a big shout out to him uh, for doing that because he has helped me in my quest of further developing my knowledge in football and hopefully one day translating that to somewhere bigger uh, where I'm getting paid for it, by the way. But um, John Madden, for me, you've done a great job, a great service. You will definitely be missed. Um, and seriously, man, the world will never forget you. will never forget you. You have brought so much fun and so much happiness to young sports fans. You don't even know the kind of impact you made. Seriously, you don't. But, you know, hopefully he rests in peace. And, guys, let's move on to some also news that I wanted to touch upon. Uh, Vikings will miss Adam Thielen for the rest of the season because of his ankle surgery that he will be un- undergoing. So he suffered that injury in week 13. Um, and the thing about Adam Thielen is that he's been a red zone machine. I mean, when it comes to the red zone, you you basically have an offense where you have Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson pretty much getting you to the red zone. And then after that, it's Adam Thielen just punching the ball in, pretty much. So I must say, last season he had 14 touchdowns, 
This year he had 10. He's been on a path to pretty much another great red zone. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, he has already had a, another great red zone season. Uh, but this year he finished it off the year with 67 receptions for 726 yards overall. Um, the thing about the Vikings is that his production will be missed because, yes, he was definitely a pro bowler. Or he is a pro bowler. He was definitely one of the best receivers in the league right now as it stands. But to their credit, they have been playing well without him. Uh, Justin Jefferson has been, you know, number one, wide receiver number one this season and possibly last season too as well. So he's been playing some great football. And as well as Kirk Cousins has been playing one of the best football seasons to date for him in his career. And despite his contribution to the interception in the red zone, K.J. Osborne has been playing great in absence of Adam Freeland. So kudos to them. And they still do have a rushing game too as well. So I think they will manage, but um, Adam Freeland will be gone for the rest of the season. And hopefully he can come back next season stronger than ever. You know, this team has a lot of talent. It does have a lot of talent. And whoever their head coach will be next season, because we all do know that the coach right now, I believe Zimmer is going to be gone. Uh, this season, he has to be gone because you play playoffs or not, he's been there too long. Um, but I, I do know that this team does have talent with a little bit of, of help here and there to filling up some holes. They can make a bigger push to the playoffs next season, uh, a much easier quest for them next season than it would be this year. But, you know, Vikings for me, they'll be just fine. They'll be just fine. All right, guys, let's get into some NBA score lines and predictions. Yes, yes, here we go. All right, now we're going to start off with the Miami Heat. Yes, have yourself a day, Tyler Hero. Have yourself a freaking day. 32 points. Um, you also did have the likes of 25 from Jimmy Butler, efficient basketball. 15 assists, the most he's had in his whole entire career in a game. 15, and it happened last night. And 26 from Duncan Robinson. You know, Duncan comes, he goes. But he, I will say that he has been playing much more consistently back to the regular Duncan Robinson that I know of in the past couple of games. So good to have you back, Duncan Robinson. Please don't leave us. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, the the Wizards didn't really have too much help. I mean, Bradley Bill wasn't there. Harrow wasn't there. Uh, you, you need some more pieces to beat this team. Uh, but you did have 24 points from Spencer Dinwiddie. 16 from Daniel Gafford, 22 from Kyle Kuzma, and 19 off the bench from Bertans. But in the end, it's the Miami Heat who improved to 22 and 13. Washington falls to 17 to 17, moving on Lakers and Rockets. All right, so a high-scoring game, a team or two teams that don't play any defense whatsoever, and the Lakers do the job, do the business on the road. 32 points from LeBron James, triple-double, triple-double incoming. So this is a great example of how a triple-double wins you a basketball game. Yes, right there, you know? But good job by him. And also another triple-double by Russell Westbrook. Yes! Did he did, yeah, did he hear me? Because he probably, he possibly did hear me, okay? I said Russell Westbrook plays slower and much more smarter, and it's one game. It's one game. <laughs> but 24 points. Efficient shooting, by the way. 10 of 17 shooting. Two for two on threes. 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and most importantly, seven turnovers. I'm just joking, but he did play good for me. He did. 25 from Malik Monk, 24 off the bench from Kamala Anthony. All right, moving off of the, the, the Rockets, uh, we have 
the likes of 22 from Christian Wood, 22 from Kevin Porter Jr., uh, and 24 from Jalen Green, all of which played well and efficient that entire game. So kudos to them. Uh, and 14 off the bench from Christopher. My God, Josh Christopher. But in the end, the Lakers finally get a much-needed victory. They are 17-18. Rockets fall to 10-25. and 25. Moving on, Bucks just take apart the magic on the road. 23-13, and 13, they improved to. They win their fourth straight behind Giannis, 28 points. Uh, also behind the likes of 19 points from Bobby Portis, 21 from Chris Middleton, 18 from Drew Holiday. Everyone shot efficient in that game. And 10 points off the bench from Pat Connaughton. And for the Magic, 38 points from Franz Wagner. Can you believe that? This guy was balling. He was balling. Great job by him. Efficient shooting too. 19 points from Wendell Carter. 13 from Gary Harris. And But in the end, it's the Bucks who get the win on the road. Moving on. 76ers and Raptors. All right. Back and forth action. Here we go. There we go right there. 36 points once again. 30-point game from Joel Embiid. Double-double, 11 rebounds, 19 points from Tobias Harris, uh, and off the bench, 19 points from George Yang. 7 for 10, pretty good. Pretty good, all right? 28 points from Spicy P, 28 points from Chris Boucher, 10 points from Watanabe, 19 points from Gary Trent Jr. So they got some help uh, back from the COVID protocols and injuries and whatnot, but they could not get the win at home. Uh, they fought the 14 and 17, the Raptors do. And the 76ers improved to 18 and 16. Now, moving on, Knicks on the road. I said that the Timberwolves would win this game, did I? Or did I actually know? Yeah, I actually did. The Knicks get the win on the road, 96 to 88. Uh, so we had every player on the starting lineup score double figures, except for RJ Barrett, had eight points. He was close. But 13 from Randall, 14 from Mitchell Robinson, 10 from Walker, 13 from Aaron Fournier. Much more of a cohesive unit scoring. Um, and 11 off the bench from Quentin Grimes. Not bad. He's a three-point shooter, guys. He can shoot the ball, so beware for him. 18 points from Josh McDaniels. Good for him. I, you know, I like Josh McDaniels. I really do. I think he's a he's a tall, lanky defender. He's an okay shooter. He makes plays around the rim. He's pretty good to me. Pretty good. 20 points from Malik Beasley, and off the bench, 11 from uh, Josh Noel. I'm sorry, Jalen Noel, but, you know, no cat. Uh, no D'Angelo Russell, no um, Anthony Edwards. It's going to be tough to win that kind of game. Uh, I'm not even sure why I put this team to win. But, you know, Knicks improved to 16-18. to 18. Minnesota, 16-18. to <laughs> There you go right there. Cavaliers and Pelicans. So Cavaliers were up big in this game, you know. They were up big in this game. The largest lead for them was 23 points. But the Pelicans come back. Can you believe that? Pelicans come back behind 26 points from Herbert Jones. The rookie and every player scores in double figures. Uh, 12 from my guy Gary Clark. Uh, we had 17 from uh Garrett Temple, 15 for Valachunas, and 18 for uh Devontae Graham. You know, I actually thought that the Valachunas would have a much bigger game considering that they did not have uh Jared Allen, but you know, Evan Mobley did come back into the game, so you know, he I guess he does pr- provide a big presence around the rim. That team is big, man. That team is big. But the Cavs on the road fall 20 and 14 behind 22 points from Evan Mobley, 27 points from Ricky Rubio, who did leave injured in that game, by the way, unfortunately. Hopefully he gets better. Um, and 24 points off the bench by Kevin Love. Okay. Nuggets and Warriors. Nuggets blew a 20 point lead. Oh, 
You don't do that on the road. But damn, they hung on to win against the Warriors on the road, 89 to 86. And I had, I had a great chance to look at that game closely. I'm over here watching. I'm seeing, damn, the Nuggets are going to sell this game. Like a couple of threes by Curry, crowd going crazy, crowd shouting defense. Oh, I'm not sure they can hold on. I mean, at some point, Nuggets scored only 20 points in the second half at some point. You know, it took them a lot of great defensive stops. And obviously that that block at the end of the half uh, of the game, actually, by Nicole Jokic uh, blocking Jonathan Kaminga. That was a great play by him. But, you know, in the end, some great individual play for them. Also have to give a, a big shout out to Will Barton because he had a play where he drives, he, he misses his shot, he stays with the ball, follows it for a rebound, tip, and bucket right there. Good job by them. 21 and 22 points from Will Barton and Nicole Jokic. Nicole Jokic's 18 rebounds, a big man in the post. And for the Warriors, 21 from Andrew Wiggins and 23 from Curry, who actually started off the game a little bit slow but got going later on. And, you know, good teams do this. Didn't have Jamar Green. Uh, but in the end, the Warriors fall to 27-7. The Nuggets, a great win, I must say. A great win on the road, two of that, 17-16. Good job by them. All right. Last but not least, Kings and Thunder. Kings get the win at home. There we go, Kings. Halliburton, 24 points. Not bad. Do your thing, big boy. Do your thing. All right, 12 points from De'Aaron Fox. Kind of shot a little bit terribly, 4 for 17. Uh, 17 points from Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, and 21 points off the bench from my guy, Buddy Hill. But for the Thunder, if you're all wondering, Shy Gilgis Alexander, 33 points. Great. Not Andrew Wiggins, but Aaron Wiggins, 14 points. All right. And last but not least, 19 points from Lou Dort. But in the end, the Kings get the win at home. They improve to 14 and 21. And the Thunder fall to 12 and 21. Now, let's get into some rapid predictions for tonight's games. Here we go. Lakers and Grizzlies. I've got the Grizzlies winning that game. Heat and Spurs has been postponed, so unfortunately I can't watch that game. Knicks and Pistons. Give me the Knicks. Hornets and Pacers. Give me the Hornets. Clippers and Celtics. Give me the Celtics. Hmm. Yeah, give me the, the Celtics. Hawks and Bulls. Give me the Bulls. You know, last time I picked the Hawks to win the game, they got <laughs> they got tarnished. They got torched and tarnished. So yeah, <laughs> Thunder and Suns. Uh, I'll go with the Suns here. Jazz and Temple and Trailblazers. I'll go. Oof, Jazz. Last but not least, Kings and Maverick and Mavericks. I'll go Mavericks here. And there you have it. And guys, before we close out the show, let me give you my top five. Uh, thirty. It's supposed to be thirty games. Every thirty games, I'm supposed to give my top five but I forgot to give it the past episode, I believe, or past two episodes. So I'll just do it right now. The top five teams for me playing some great basketball and doing the business in the NBA is none other than the top five seeded teams in the NBA right now. <laughs> but at five, I'll start with the Bulls. Bulls are playing some great basketball. First time in a long time, they're 10 games above 500, so good for them. At four, we have the Jazz. Yes, the Jazz for me are playing some great basketball once again. It is not them at three, though. It's the Nets because the Nets, considering how many players have been in COVID protocols, considering how many players have been injured, they have found ways to pull out some wins out of the bag, going back to the Christmas Day win against the Lakers, going back to Kevin Durant having to do everything by himself, along with only eight players available for that game against the Raptors. 
way back when in overtime. So good for them. And last but not least, obviously at two and number one is the Suns and Warriors. Suns playing some great basketball. Um, and Warriors for me too. Listen, both these teams, especially the Warriors, lost last night, but they did have a chance to come back and win the game. But there you have it for my top five. Guys, make sure to tell me who is your top five and also comment down below to, to you know interact, give your thoughts. And that is the end of this episode. Oh my goodness. A great, fun, long, fantastic, energizing. Long again, <laughs> you know, great episode. Guys, make sure to continue to support MBS. Make sure to continue to support me and my guy, Will. And we are on a grind to the top. And I will see you guys there. Everyone be safe. It's your boy, Edwin, and I am out. Peace.